Brothers and sisters, these are difficult times. The coronavirus has seemed to paralyze the world and the paralysis is reaching us. If you are watching and listening to me, it means we are not meeting together for worship on Sunday. This is being recorded on Thursday afternoon and it is our effort to bring as much as possible of the normal worship service to you for your experience and for our corporate worship all over Western Michigan. So may God be praised and glorified by what we say and hear and by how we respond. The scripture passage for today is taken from the Gospel according to John, the 10th chapter, the first 10 verses, another of the I am statements of Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Where you are, figuratively or literally, when you say something, has a lot to do with the interpretation of what it is you say. I give up. If you are standing in a corner somewhere with your hands in the air and a sheriff's deputy facing you with a pistol pointing at you, it means one thing to say, I give up. If you're saying it to a second grader who has just asked you, why do elephants wear nail polish? It's quite a different meaning. If you say it while being tickled mercilessly by a friend, I give up means one thing. If you say it in response to a doctor's grim diagnosis for you, it's quite different. If you say, I give up, while your arm is twisted behind your back painfully, it means one thing. If you say it while shaking a gift-wrapped box over your head because you can't figure out what it is that's inside the package, it means quite another. I give up. Those three words mean a lot of different things depending on where you are and why and how you say them. It's all called context. 
I am the gate, Jesus said. Now that could mean a lot of things too, or it could mean nothing if you don't understand. Why did Jesus say that? What did he mean by it? And what's the context in which he said it and the audience heard it? Jesus answers all of those questions in John chapter 9. So that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. He said that in response to a church that refused to care about someone in need. In this case, a man born blind. Chapter 9 in John's Gospel is the story of that man. He said this to a church that was more interested in being right than in being righteous. He said this to a church that was more interested in bringing people in line than in bringing them into the kingdom. He said it to a church that was trying very hard to keep as many doors shut as possible. He said it to people whose theology, whose study of God, got in the way of God. He said it because it's really possible for people to argue about Christ without coming to Christ. And to some degree or other, we're all in that category. We're all familiar with this context. We're all somewhat blind, blind like the Pharisees, not like the man who was born blind, whom Jesus cured. And we are in the presence today of one who said to his congregation, I am the gate. To heal such blindness and to help the, the congregants see God and themselves and others. Or as he put it himself, so that those who have never seen will see, and those who have made a great pretense of seeing will be exposed as blind. Jesus liked to draw pictures with his words, and this occasion was no exception. But what we need to realize in this very short passage, only 10 verses long, is that he really included two different pictures. The first is of a community, sheep corral at the edge of town somewhere, where all of the town's sheep herders brought their sheep at night and put them all together into one corral. It had one door, one gate, one opening that closed after the last sheep was in. The other picture was of a kind of a makeshift corral out in the wilderness somewhere, where the shepherd was alone with his sheep only and pulled together sticks and stones and brush into a circle or a square with a single opening at one end for the sheep to go in and some sort of item to close the opening that didn't even have a hinge to swing on. And then along with these pictures, there is practically a whole album of other pictures that would have come into view for all the people who were listening to Jesus that day. Pictures of sheep, pictures of lambs, pictures of shepherds, 
Pictures of thieves and robbers, pictures of watchmen, pictures of sacrifice, which is why these sheep were being raised. Pictures of the people of God, remembering that God himself called his people his sheep. And pictures of doors, yes, doors, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of doors, shut doors, locked doors, bloodied doors. And then it was as if Jesus said, okay, you have that picture in mind? The two different kinds of corrals? Now, think for a minute about shepherds. The shepherd who comes to the gate on one side of the common corral at the edge of town in which all of the shepherds, different shepherds, sheep, were corralled. That's where all the sheep were overnight until the next morning when their shepherd came and started calling them by name. And the sheep, as they exited the corral, gathered in separate flocks outside with their shepherd. Not because they were branded and he knew who was who, not because they were specially marked, not because they wore ribbons of the same color tied into their wool somehow, but because they recognized their shepherd's voice and listened to him and did what he said when he called them. One commentator gave this account of the exit from the, the common corral at the edge of town. Early one morning, he said, I saw an extraordinary sight not far from Bethlehem. Two shepherds had evidently spent the night with their flocks in a cave. The sheep were all mixed together, and the time had come for the shepherds to go on in different directions. One of the shepherds stood some distance from the sheep and began to call. First one, then another, then four or five animals ran toward him, and so on, until he had counted his whole flock. That's the way that corral works. And no one could function that way for us but Jesus. Only he is the good shepherd who has the right to call his sheep and who has the right motive in calling them. Only he is the good shepherd who loves and cares for his sheep. Only he is the shepherd who is concerned about those sheep who gather around him when he calls their name. Only the good shepherd can lead his sheep. So, in that first collection of pictures around the common corral, Jesus is saying, I'm calling you. I, I care for you. I won't hurt you. You know in your heart I'm calling you. Something inside you says you need to listen to my voice. You can come to me. It's safe. It's okay. It's what you ought to do. Come to me. Jesus said, and I'm reading now from the message, let, this, let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. A sheep rustler. The shepherd walks right up to the gate, the gatekeeper opens the gate to him, and the sheep recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. 
When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow because they are familiar with his voice. They won't follow a stranger's voice, but will scatter because they aren't used to the sound of it. The very next words in John 10 are these. Jesus told this simple story, but they had no idea what he was talking about. So he tried again. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. Or as the message put it, I'll be explicit then. I tell you the truth. That's like, verily, verily, I say unto you, which means this is really important, folks. You better listen to this. I am not just at the door. I am the door. I am not just at the gate. I am the gate. I am not just guarding the entrance. I am the entrance. You didn't get the idea behind my picture of the community corral. So let me try another one. Out in the wild somewhere. Um, a makeshift corral made of sticks and stones and brush and tumbleweed and, and whatever else is blowing around made into a circle or a square out in the middle of nowhere, but with one entrance, and only my sheep. This is not a community corral, this is my corral. Look, first, there is no other way into the safety of God's corral than the gateway where I stand, Jesus said. You know how he'd put it later. I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Remember Peter saying, there is no other name under heaven given among us by which we must be saved. If heaven is like the sheepfold of God, then the only way in is by the entry called Jesus. Jesus was saying something else when he said, I am the gate. I'll, I'll let another commentator illustrate it in these words. A, a visitor was one day traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and his sheep. He fell into conversation with him and the man showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls with one way in. The visitor said to him, that's where they go at night? Yes, said the shepherd. And when they're in there, they're perfectly safe. But there is no door, said the visitor. I am the door, said the shepherd. He was not a Christian man. He was not speaking in the language of the New Testament. He was speaking from the Arab shepherd's standpoint. The visitor looked at him and said, What do you mean by the door, said the shepherd? When the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in that open space and no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf comes in unless he crosses my body. I am the door. To every wandering sheep, Jesus said, I am the one way into heaven. 
you may come to God through me. And to every potential enemy of the sheep, Jesus said, these are my sheep here. You will have to come through me to take them. Or perhaps more innocently and simply put, over my dead body. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. That picture is so simple, but so profound. No sheep is safe outside the fold. No sheep gets into the fold except through the one gate. And no one comes through that gate except by choosing to, deciding to. As Paul put it to the Ephesians in chapter 2, for through him we have access to the Father. And the writer to the Hebrews put it this way. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. I am the gate, Jesus said, whoever enters through me will be saved. The operative word, of course, is enters, but an equally significant one is whoever. You don't have to be big and important and well-known and rich and knowledgeable. You simply have to enter and accept the invitation. This is the invitation from the gate to you, whoever you are, wherever you are, to enter, to come to God and to come to God through the gate. Place your faith in him. And then this will be a picture of you. He will come in and go out and find pasture. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Or as the message put it, I've come so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. James Montgomery Boyce, who was for years and years the pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, tells the story of, uh, that Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse told years before him. He was the pastor for some 30 years at that church. And Dr. Barnhouse said he was talking one day in a sermon about the cross and about Christ and the importance of Christ and coming to him. And there was a woman sitting in the congregation, a visitor, who was not a Christian. She'd been born and brought up in a Christian home and knew the whole story, knew the gospel, knew about Jesus, knew about the cross, but had never fully understood that she had to respond to it. And to make it clear to all of them, Dr. Barnhouse said, imagine that the cross is a door or that it has a door in it. All you are asked to do is to go through on one side, the side facing you, there's written an invitation. Whosoever will, may come. You stand there with your sin upon you and wonder if you should enter or not. Finally you do, and as you do, the burden of your sin drops away. You are safe and free. Joyfully, you then turn around and see written on the backside of the cross, through which you have now entered the words, chosen in him, before the foundation 
of the world. Well, Dr. Barnhouse that day then invited the members of the congregation and those who were present with them to come to that cross and to come to that Christ and to make that decision. And for the first time in her life, this woman made that decision, understanding as she did it that she now believed and she entered the sheepfold and became a Christian right then and there. And Dr. Boyce, who was telling the story, said, I know these facts to be the truth because that woman was my mother. And he, her son, later became the pastor of that very same church. And his mother and all who entered the door with her, behind or before, have life and have it to the full. Again, reading from the message in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I'll be explicit then. I'm the gate for the sheep. All others are up to no good. Sheep stealers, every one of them. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. Anyone who goes through me will be cared for, will freely go in and out and find pasture. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. That's Jesus' word to you. Dr. William Barclay, the commentator, wrote, The Jews had a lovely legend to explain why God chose Moses to be the leader of his people. When Moses was feeding the sheep of his father-in-law in the wilderness, a young kid ran away. Moses followed it until it reached a ravine where it found a well to drink from. When Moses got up to it, he said, I did not know that you ran away because you were thirsty. Now you must be weary. He took the kid on his shoulders and carried it back. And then God said, because you have shown pity in leading back one of the flock belonging to a man, you shall head my flock, Israel. That is not just a picture of Moses. It's a picture of our God, who in Ezekiel 34 said, I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Remember the context of this remarkable saying of Jesus, a church that didn't care, a church that wouldn't listen, a church that refused to be like God. Shepherds who didn't care for the sheep. I'm the gate, Jesus said. Come to me. Come through me. All you, my sheep, please come. I love you. And then in a dramatic picture change, he adds, Now, sheep, safely in my fold, be shepherds too. Look for strays. Carry back the lost in your arms, and then put them with yourselves into mine. Let's pray. O oh God, shepherd of your sheep, our shepherd, who through your son, the good shepherd, made a door for us to enter not just the corral or the sheepfold, but heaven.
Remind us of your love. Remind us how there is nothing in all this world, and there is plenty in this world right now that frightens us. Nothing in all this world that can take us away from you. Hold us in your loving arms, dear shepherd, and keep us, and help us to bring other sheep and other lambs with us to your fold. In Jesus' name, amen.